So today we've got Jess Collins with us. She's a postdoctoral fellow researcher, uh, researches full-time, but she's also an ultra-marathoner in her spare time, and she, in reality she works a full-time job plus trains a lot for ultra-running. And I want to talk to her today about recovery and how she recovers, and I think that we can learn a lot to do with her, the way she recovers, to the way we should recover as rowers. So welcome, Jess. Thank you. So what should we talk about first? Should we talk about the, the concept of recovery and fitness then? Yeah, yeah, let's start with So I think that the one of the most important things to understand and probably one of the most misunderstood things with training is that you actually get figure, fitter during your recovery period. So most people think that they go out and do a hard session and that hard session leads them to become fitter. That's true, but you don't actually get fitter during that hard session. You get fitter during the recovery after that session when your body starts to recover from it and make the little adaptations due to that session that actually make you fitter when you come back to do a session again in a day or a week or whenever your next session is. So um, those adaptations, you know, will be you'll, you'll have some muscle tearing and inflammation and then the, when those muscle cells repair themselves, they actually get stronger, um, bigger, able to contract better, things like that. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest problems I have with training is I'll often end up going too hard or doing too much training and then I'll have a day off, maybe I'll have a day off and then a morning off or something like that. And I feel like that it might have been a bit better if I hadn't trained quite as hard and so knew how, so basically I should know better how my body recovers. So how do you sort of gauge how your body's going to recover after a training session to sort of know when you're doing just enough or doing too much? Um, I think it depends on the, the type of session that you're going out to do. So I think you need to first understand what the purpose of the session you're going to do is and that will give you an idea of how you should feel afterwards. So if you're going out to do an easy zone two aerobic row, if you come in from that row and you feel trash, that means that you went too hard and that you didn't actually fulfill what that session was about. And so then you're obviously going to have to take more recovery after that. Whereas if you did it at the right um, kind of zone, then you'll be feeling a little bit... Um, you won't, won't feel so trashed, you'll feel a little bit tired after that session, but you should be feeling pretty good within a couple of hours and you should be able to get up the next day and do that session again. So part of a good recovery strategy is also planning and executing your workouts the way they should be done with your training program, not overreaching uh, what you should be doing because otherwise your body won't be able to recover quickly enough for that session that you've got planned the next day. 100%. So I'll often know that um, for me on, on a Wednesday is a longish um, aerobic run that should be run at an easy pace in my zone one on two. And I know in myself that I need to not go too hard during that session because on a Thursday, that's usually a hard session for me. So that's a temp, tempo, tempo session, like a lactate threshold session, or it's a track VO2 max session. And so I know I need to be optimally recovered to actually execute that hard session well so that I get the benefits from that hard session as well as the benefits from the easy session the day before. Yeah, so, so time is obviously a big factor in how quickly you recover, so you need to have a certain amount of rest uh, in between your sessions to recover. But what other things do you think are absolutely critical for, for making sure you recover well? So there's a few things that can um, aid in your recovery. Probably the most important one that needs to be valued is sleep. 
you recover a lot during sleep and so you really need to prioritise or get as much sleep in as you can and I know how hard that can be uh, working a full-time job and having to get up early in the morning to be able to do my training I need to be really strict on myself and make sure that I go to bed at a reasonable hour so that I get a full night's sleep so that I can get up the next day and that's going to vary for different people some people feel they need more sleep than others I think you've just got to test that out for yourself and um you know, kind of figure out how many hours of sleep you need after a session to get up the next day and feel good. Yeah, so yeah, I agree. For me, sleep's absolutely critical. Like I'll set an alarm, you know, at 9.30 every night to make sure that at, at least at that time, I think about moving towards bed. So, you know, the you know, my bed routine, like having, you know, brushing my teeth, all that sort of thing, and make sure I get in bed by maybe like 10 o'clock and um, yeah, usually sleep, try and sleep until about, you know, seems to be seven at the moment, but you know, when I'm training, it's a bit earlier. And so yeah, I have to be very strict on getting to bed as soon as possible after that alarm goes off at 9.30. And I think that's the, the perfect way to do it. Um, having some form of routine that you ritually do that, that not only means that you stick to the time you need to go to bed, but that ritual also prepares your body to go to sleep and to once you've done that a few times your body actually realizes oh the alarm goes off i brush my teeth i do this i do that and then i go to sleep and so it'll actually start preparing you to go to sleep yeah what about things like uh, you know food and nutrition things like that yeah so probably the next big one after sleep is is nutrition and is making sure that you're eating well and that your the timing of when you eat is um, good so what i mean by that is that Ideally, you want to try and eat something after you train within that kind of half an hour time space if you can. Um, I don't get too wrapped up in the percentage of carbs to protein and things like that. I think if you're eating a pretty well-rounded diet, you should get what you need from, from what you're eating. Um, and then just making sure that you're, you're eating to hunger and um, you know not starving yourself and things throughout the day so that the next day you get up. If you get up the next day and you're absolutely starving, it probably means that you didn't eat enough the day before and that's going to make it hard for you to do your next session the next morning. Yeah. yeah, I often find that eating after a session is good, but I have to be careful that I don't uh, don't eat too much because I'm still going to want to eat when it comes to meal time. So like lunch and dinner, I still feel like I want to have a lot. And I've noticed in the past if I really stick to that regimented like you know 30 grams of protein straight after a session and and you know some carbs as well to go with it, I'll often end up eating more calories than I've actually burned, even if I am doing you know two or three hours of training a day. So I have to be really careful not to eat too many calories uh, while trying to recover. Um, yeah, sort of, you know, lose the forest for the trees a bit by eating too many calories and that's detriment, detrimental to me. I put on that weight as fat and so, um, yeah, it's a real balancing act for me trying to get enough food to recover optimally um, but without, you know, overstepping it. I think that that's a pretty common thing and it is pretty um, pretty hard thing to kind of get on top of. I think a, a couple of the ways that you can kind of help yourself with that is um, the first thing you can do is uh, actually plan out your meals the night before. So maybe make your breakfast if you're training around breakfast time. Make those things before your um, training session the next morning so that they're there ready for you so you can eat them within that half an hour gap and you kind of have measured out the night before how much you think you should be eating 
and it's there for you to eat afterwards so that you don't just kind of go home and graze for an hour and not realise actually how much you've eaten. Um, and another way is is depending on how you train and what you like to do, a lot of people have different um, opinions on you know, training fasted, not training fasted. Um, for me, I get up early in the morning and like to train before breakfast. Um, that's obviously going to change a little bit if I have a really hard tempo session or track session. I might go, okay, I need a little top up of glucose in the morning before I do those sessions. But for those long aerobic sessions in your zone one and zone two, you're actually training your body to be able to utilize fat. So it should mostly be using your fat and then a small amount of um, glycogen in, in glucose that's stored in your liver and muscles. And, you know, if you're going out for an hour and a half, you should have enough stores in your body easily to last that session as long as you then have the food within half an hour afterwards. So as long as you're not someone who wakes up starving and can't possibly exercise before breakfast, that can be another way of um, not kind of doubling up on your meals and kind of, yeah getting your training done and then having a good meal afterwards yeah because I, I do most of my training so you know probably nine out of ten sessions maybe eight out of ten sessions are at a, a low heart rate so maybe like 60 to 70 percent of my maximum heart rate really training that aerobic zone i feel like i can i could eat right before i did some some exercise uh on the mornings that i do you know hard sessions i find that even if i have the smallest amount of food it just repeats on me you know three quarters of the way through this hard session you know i feel like i'm gonna you know vomit and it's and it's not a good feeling so when it comes to regattas and things I always make sure that i eat at least like a, any sort of proper food like a you know a sandwich or a bowl of cereal I always have at least three hours before um, because i know that that's how long i need when i'm in that sort of heightened state at the uh, regatta for it to actually progress enough through my digestive system before i race but, um, but that's obviously something that's different for everyone and yeah. Yeah, everyone has their own sort of approach. A hundred percent. And I, I'm one of those people that don't like, you know, running your food gets kind of shaken up really quite badly in your stomach even <coughs> when you're running pretty easily. And so that's why I often choose not to, um, to eat before I run because I don't like that heavy, full feeling in my belly when I'm exercising. And if I'm doing a hard session, same thing. I get one lap around the track and I puke, I reckon. So usually having, I always make sure I have some fluids before I train, but yeah, I don't feel I actually need to eat. And for those harder sessions where I do, um, I'll have some form of um, sugar-based uh, energy supplement. So like a gel or a multidextrin-based drink or something like that, just to have with me at the track if it's a really long, hard session. And I think, you know, I'm going to start to bonk during this session because I'm up in my zone three, four, five Um that can be kind of a way to get around that that heavy heavy feeling what about other things like um have you ever tried things like ice baths or um you know hot hot cold showers you know things like that have you and and is there any research that you know of that you know can can support or you know falsify Mm -hmm. those claims a little bit so the the strength for sleep and food the strengths of studies are there they're showing that they're going to help you recover when it comes to things like ice bathing that that has had a lot of contradictory research about it come out so um there's kind of some research showing that below you know around nine to ten degrees celsius uh there's really no benefit in going any colder than that so you know you've got people dumping in huge amounts of ice into baths and sitting there quite uncomfortably and it's probably not doing a lot uh, in terms of um, 
uh, it, it aiding a recovery. There's some evidence that actually shows that a badly timed ice bath actually is detrimental to your recovery or to let's say fitness adaptations more so than recovery so as I was saying at the beginning you actually become fitter in that time after you've done your hard session and so part of that is you sometimes get some inflammation in your muscles and things like that which um, you will feel as delayed onset muscle soreness and things like that but that inflammation is actually telling your body oh this you know cell needs to get stronger this muscle fiber needs to change in some way and so if you actually dampen down that response you could actually be ice bathing away your fitness gains in terms of strength and things like that so um yeah the evidence and the jury on ice bathing is still out i think the only strong evidence they have is that if you're someone and i guess this could come into play at a regatta not that i've ever seen anyone do this at a regatta but um for athletes that are doing multiple events over a day or a couple of days that ice bathing can help reduce that soreness and so people might feel better when they're doing their next event and may perform better in that case so when you're actually obviously performing at a race you're not trying to get fitter at that race you're trying to win so if you can make yourself feel better then you may perform better so there might be some help but obviously that's going to be a case-by-case basis person-by-person kind of thing what about things like, uh, you know, compression, tights, you know, sleeping in compression tights, things like that? Do you mm. have an opinion on those? Um, I, don't, I don't do any of that. Um, I think I would find it very uncomfortable to sleep in a pair of compression tights. Um, I think that there is a, a little bit of evidence perhaps for them helping. Um, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of really good studies on it, but what some studies have shown is that a lot of people like me don't like the feeling of sleeping in them and find them quite uncomfortable. And so they actually reduce your sleep quality. And so if you're reducing your sleep quality and sleep has a stronger recovery benefit than the tights, you're actually going to reduce your amount of recovery because you didn't sleep very well. So, um, I mean, if you absolutely love them, give it a go. But if, if they, you know, they're not that comfortable to sleep in, then I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bother trying it. After the event, if you want to shove a pair on while you're walking around at the regatta or something, you know, there's not, not going to be any harm in that. I don't think they've shown anything detrimental. So, um, again, I think that's going to be a pretty personal personal preference thing. Yeah, when, when those first became popular again, like for, for me anyway, it was maybe like, you know, 12, 13 years ago, something like that when I was rowing, I had a a set of skins like long ones that I would sleep in but as you were saying I found it quite uncomfortable to sleep in and I always felt when I woke up that I wasn't quite as rested as I would have been if I was just relaxed um, you know without the compression tights on so I yeah I haven't really found them to be that useful you know nothing scientific was measured at the time but my I didn't feel like I had a good night's sleep and Mm. so I didn't like it so you know after a month or so I stopped doing it yeah Mm. I think I think that that's a a big thing I think that the the seams on them and stuff for them to be tight enough to give you compression if you wear them for hours and hours on end they just start to become you know that little bit uncomfortable um 
but yeah, I mean, if you have a hard session in the morning and you're pretty comfortable and you have the ability to wear them at work or school or something for the day and you want to give it a go, give it a go. And, um, you know, use something like a, a training diary or something to see if it's actually helping you. So, um, you know, start writing down in the morning how recovered you feel, whether you wore the tights or if you wore them during the day, how recovered you feel when you do your session, how good you felt during that session and see if you can personally see any changes in, in your, um, your recovering and your performance. What about things like uh, anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen, Voltaren, those sort of things? What, are, what, what do you think about those? Uh, I do not think athletes should be taking drugs to kind of cope with their, um, their recovery. Obviously, those drugs are anti-inflammatory drugs, your um, ibuprofen and things like that. Um, again, they're going to have those effects on the different um, molecules in your body that are released that cause inflammation, but also might tell the body how the muscles need to recover and to get fitter. So, and obviously, taking those drugs, you're not supposed to take them long term anyway. Um, the only time you should be touching those drugs are in the case of some form of acute or, you know, uh, injury, and you know you've you've gone and seen your sports medicine or um, physiotherapist, and they've kind of guided you and taking them. You know, they're obviously going to be really good if you've rolled your ankle or you've got some um, acute pain caused by something, but they're not something you want to be taking day to day, or even after a hard session. If you pull up really sore the next day after a hard session, don't take a a pill to, to cover it up. Take that as a sign that you've worked really hard yesterday and you need to give yourself some extra time to recover before you go out and perform again. Yeah, and also because um, people, you can get them over the counter, um, you know, without a prescription, people think that they're relatively safe. And while that may be the case, um, you know, there's a fair, there's some things that can go wrong with taking the anti-inflammatories, isn't there, when it comes to exercising? Uh, 100%. So um, there's a, a real big push in the um, ultra-running and long-distance running community to really stay away from these drugs, and it's because um, these kind of long uh, events that you do or even long training sessions you do put a lot of uh, stress on your kidneys because your kidneys are responsible for um, controlling electrolyte balance when you're sweating and things when you're um, performing and if you take lots of uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs they can actually really badly affect your kidneys and so you can actually put yourself in hospital if you uh, taking them and um, doing these long, long training sessions or long running events. And, yeah, so I've known quite a few ultra runners used to try and rely on them while running these events, and there's definitely been quite a few cases of them and people ending up in hospital because of it. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything that we haven't really covered that you think might be useful for uh, for recovery that you use or found useful in the past that maybe people you've talked to? Yeah, so um, stretching and foam rolling and things like that, everyone has their own kind of take on that. I, my, my take on it is that doing something's better than doing nothing. I know that... Um, uh, it can be really hard and I know when I'm, I've got a lot of training load and I'm busy at work, the first thing that falls by the wayside is things like, like stretching and foam rolling. But if I can fit them in, I find them quite um, beneficial to me. Um, everyone kind of knows innately in themselves when they train where in their body they actually get tightness. So for me, I get a lot of tightness in my glutes and my lower back. And so if I have not a lot of time to stretch, they're the places that I'll focus on. If I have a lot of time, I'll focus on stretching out my whole body. 
Um, and I quite like um, foam rolling and rolling with little trigger trigger point balls. Um, you can you can find a lot of stuff online on, on how to do this kind of stuff. Um, you kind of figure it out yourself a little bit. Um, and yeah, I, I find for me it, it can sometimes be the only thing that really releases a very tight muscle that's kind of tightened up over a, a big training week. Yeah, I especially find that when my body is tired and I have got quite a bit of training load or I've done a, uh, like a relatively long or a hard session, if I just stretch for five or ten minutes after that session, I, it's almost like I feel reset. You know, I feel very tired still, but my body feels relatively loose and relatively ready to continue on. Whereas if I don't stretch, I sort of end up with this sort of tight, tired, you know, sore feeling like I've done a lot of work that just sort of seems to disappear if I just do a small amount of stretching just yeah. after a session. Yeah, I, I find that when I fit it in, it definitely makes me feel um, a lot better, um, feel, you know, a little bit looser, a bit more like I've recovered. And I think it gives your body that kind of chance, your sympathetic nervous system, that chance to kind of cool down after a session and, and kind of go back to that basal level, which is might be why you feel like a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more refreshed after you have a stretch after a session. Um, and the only other thing that um, I would say, I don't know if many um, rowers have ever tried this before, it's a big thing in the running world, is if you actually lie with, um, so put your butt up against a wall and put your legs up on the wall, so they're at a 90 degree angle to your body, if that makes sense, um, that actually, it, it aids in venous return, so the return of blood from your feet and your legs back to your heart. And for a lot of people, they find that actually helps them recover. And it's that same kind of um, mechanism of the kind of compression tights helping, you know, return that blood back to the heart so that um, whatever factors are released in your muscles that makes them kind of sore and hurt can actually be kind of filtered out faster, I guess, is the kind of um, basic idea behind it. But um, I have found that when I've been particularly had a particularly hard session or if I've got a race and then I know I have to get up the next day and do another race or I've got one of those back-to-back training weekends where I go out and run for four hours one day and have to get up and run another two or three hours the next day doing um, something like that can really help my legs feel a little bit fresher the next day so it's always something you can give a go yeah well thank you Jess for joining us today uh, if you like the podcast please subscribe to it on whichever place you like to get your podcasts And if you haven't already, head over to our website. You can see a bit more about what we do. Uh, We've got a membership website that obviously allows us to keep doing what we do here. And, yeah, you can sign up for a free trial if you want to see what it's all about. We've got over, I think it's over 800 videos there now and lots of different things like training programs and training pieces, bits and and bobs. So uh, thank you and see you next time.